0: Every little
1: thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you will be fine without it
2: Hello, Minimizers. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields
1: Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus. And together, we are the Minimalists.
2: Ryan, how much stuff is enough stuff? Mm. How much stuff is too much stuff? That's what we're talking about today on the Public Podcast. Then this Thursday, on the Minimalist Private Podcast, Ryan and I are going to discuss calendar clutter. The meetings, schedules, lunches, conferences, dinners, play dates, extracurricular activities, family outings, and various other obligations that are stressing out everybody. You can check that out at patreon.com slash theminimalists. Also, Ryan, I want to talk to you about my oldest possession, which just, well. I'm not even going to go into it right now. Okay. I'll talk to you about that on the private podcast. Intriguing. Patreon.com slash the minimalist. Your support keeps our podcast and YouTube channel 100% advertisement free. And I want you to say it with me, folks, because advertisements, advertisements suck. suck. I imagine there are people like in their car right now just yelling <laughs> advertisements suck. It's one of my favorite things when we do a live event. And we have a thousand people say advertisements suck. Pretty cool. Just a cacophony. And there's like three people who work in advertising who are there. They're like, have their arms crossed and they're kind of upset
1: at us (laughs) at the beginning of the event. You know, it's funny. Like a lot of people, half of the crowd will add an S to the suck. (laughs) And I always want to be like, it's not plural. It's singular. (laughs) But then I'm like, "Ah, that's not that big of a deal. But I notice it every single time. Like half the crowd says, advertisement sucks.
2: Interesting. So, like, if it's one ad, it's like if it's an ad for some male hair regrowing product, you could say that advertisement sucks. Yes. But we don't have any advertisements, folks. So, thank you for your support. (laughs) Patreon.com slash The Minimalist. Let's go ahead and dive into our first question of the day. It's from Myra on Patreon. My mom is a hoarder, and we're working through her house together. How can we avoid burnout or complacency while going through generations of stuff? Hmm. Burnout is where you already are right now. Yeah. You're burnt out by the stuff, by the hoarding, by the excess. Now, your mom is asking you, I assume, to work through the stuff with her. You didn't show up at a hoarder's house and say, hey, you know what? Today, mom, we're getting rid of your stuff. Mm. That's theft. (laughs) And also, that's a way to ruin a relationship. And it's also a way to stress someone else out to tell them they need to get rid of stuff, to get rid of their stuff for them, or just to simply tell someone, oh, look, you have
1: too much stuff. Mm. That's not loving. No, not at all. Man, well, I think it's cool that her mom is has asked her to help her. I mean, that's uh, that's that's a pretty big deal. I, I can't tell you how many hoarders we come across, and they're like, how do I get my partner? How do I get my mother? How do I get my brother? Like, how do I get them to start decluttering? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is you can't. Like there is no there is no uh, magic thing that you can say to someone and all of a sudden they're going to want get ri- get rid of all their stuff. They are not going to get rid of their stuff until they want to, and that's exactly where Mara's mom's at. That's pr- pretty cool. Uh, I like I, I like what you said about the burnout. It's interesting because once we start talking about burnout, you're right; it's already too late. Right. So right now, uh, Mara, um, you're burnt out. That's okay. I think for me, when I feel burnout, I have to have some type of plan, some type of light at the end of the tunnel. So, you know, maybe just kind of planning day by day, little chunking here and there. How do you eat an elephant? You eat an elephant one bite at a time. Yes. I was gonna <laughs> say with a fork. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so bring
2: a fork, Myra. Now, yes. here's, here's what I'll say is letting go decluttering, whatever you want to call it, is supposed to bring freedom, not burnout. Mm. You're already at the place of burnout. And so by letting go of the stuff, but not just the stuff, because you could let go of the stuff physically, mm-hmm. but not let go of it psychologically, emotionally. Mm. So what we're really talking about here is a complete letting go. Well, how yeah. do you let go? You stop clinging. Mm. Letting go is simply refusing to continue to hold on, refusing to continue to need those things that you thought you need. It's the most freeing thing in the world when you realize you don't need the things you thought you needed. Mm. All of a sudden, there's a freedom. When you don't need a particular outcome, when you don't need those material possessions anymore, Mm. because if you still need them and you get rid of the thing, but you need them emotionally, you need them psychologically, You're going to get dragged by that stuff after you donate it or sell it or get rid of it. So I'm I'm thinking about one thing, though. I don't want to be a complete legalist about this. It's not about getting down to a particular number of items. Sure. You and I were just out in Ohio. We had a tour stop in Columbus, the Love People Use Things Tour. Mm -hmm. You can find all of the recordings that we have there over on our website, theminimalists.com slash previous for all of our previous tour stops. But, Myra, I was thinking about this. Someone asked about how many things that we own. It reminded me of this story. Early on, when we first created theminimalists.com, one of the first things that I wrote was the 288 items that I own. So <laughs> and it, I was 29 years old at the time. Yeah. And it was a parody of other people's counting. I haven't
1: seen any blog posts or stories like this in a while, but it, it was, you know, a very in vogue yeah. when we became the minimalists. It just so happened that we were at a time where like everyone had these, um, these, these blog posts about how many things they owned. And I think, who won? Who won that battle, Josh? Did anyone actually win that, though? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it was. Remember the the guy who did the Joseph Coney thing? Remember?
2: Uh, oh, and because he, he was naked in the street masturbating yeah. at oh. a traffic light, <laughs> so he had zero. Yeah, did he
1: write about it though? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have a pen. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's good, man. Um, I the the one that stands out the most to me, I think it was Nina Yao, which she's amazing. Mm-hmm. I I love Nina. Um, she, uh, what, what, she, what did she have? Like my t- 15, 15 things, my 15 things. Yes.
2: Yeah. And what we realized early on, that's why I created this thing. It was 288 items that I own. But even then I noticed these people who were counting like our friend Colin, mm-hmm. he owned 52 things, but it was like a pair of socks was One thing. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, Colin, that's two things. (laughs) But what if I count the individual threads in there? Then maybe it's way more than two things. Mm. And the point was I want to do this in a joking, yet loving, compassionate way to show people like I counted my bookshelf as one thing. <laughs> I counted my sock drawers, one thing. Yeah. Yeah. And the point wasn't that to get down to 288 items or 15 items or 52 items, I didn't want to be a legalist. I wanted to have fun with this because there was freedom in that fun. It wasn't about competing. Because that's a competition I would have lost. And Mm. I was already tired of competing. We had competed so much in the corporate world. And that competing was a sort of psychological trap. It was a prison. Mm. I wanted to break out of the prison of competing. And so when you're letting go of the horde with your mom, it's not about getting down to a specific number or having a perfect house. Just like the stuff didn't make you more complete Letting go of the stuff isn't going to make you complete. Mm. You are already
1: complete. You're just getting rid of the things that are in the way. Yeah. And if you're just focused on the number of things, then you're missing the larger point of what minimalism is. Consumption is not the problem. It's the compulsive consumerism. Like, that is the problem. And if we're counting our things, well, it, in a way, in a weird way, it's it just goes right back to the consumption. That's right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's, it's a reverse consumption away, reverse right. consumerism. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to our callers, Ryan. If you have a question or comment for our podcast, give us a call 406 219 7839 or send a voice memo to podcast at the com. It looks like uh, Monique has a question from Anaheim, California.
3: I am drawing a fine line between the hoarding and the to clothes, toys you know, anything that you could basically sell at a yard sale. And the hardest part for me is um, making time for the yard sale because I won't be able to host it at my place of residence. I have to go to my in-laws, you know, where they live in a neighborhood. Um, You know, they're not in a gated community um, where I live. So... I'm just wondering um, where would you draw that line as to what to save for yard
1: sale and, you know, what to donate? Yeah. uh, Where's that line between what do you sell versus what do you donate? If you can sell it and recoup a little bit of the cost, I mean, absolutely sell it. I think uh, like for you now, we had that $20 mark. Mm -hmm. If we could sell it for $20 or more, we put it up for sale. Um, and then if it didn't sell within a certain amount of time, uh, then we would let it go.
2: Yeah. And so if, what is the line for you? In fact, we're going through this right now with Alabama. She's selling some of the excess stuff that we have in mm. our studio. As we built out the studio, we had some temporary things, a desk and a chair and some camera equipment, some wires, cables, lighting, et cetera, some things that we need to sell, some things that we need to donate. So here's our how to let go process. And yeah. then you can adjust it to create boundaries for you. First off, if you want to let go of something, try to sell it. Mm-hmm. If it costs more than X dollars. Now you get to determine what that X is. In fact, Alabama for us right now, it's around a hundred dollars in my life. It's a hundred bucks when I was in debt, as Ryan mentioned, $20 because yeah. anything that I could sell to get money to pay off debt. Now, if it was something that was 50 cents or $2 or something, mm-hmm. it may not be worth investing the time, money, attention, energy, in trying to sell that thing to get that money. It's best to just get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. But if you can sell it, if it's over that threshold, yours might be 20 bucks. It might be a hundred bucks. I have some friends where it's $200, mm-hmm. whatever it is. If you can sell it, great. If it doesn't sell in the first week, Alabama, lower the price. And then if it doesn't sell in 30 days, you want to donate it. If you can't donate donate it, you try to recycle it. Mm -hmm. If you can't recycle it, eventually it will make its way to the trash. But if you go through that entire cycle, what you're realizing is I'm going to sell a bunch of things. What are you going to do with that money? If you're in debt, you're going to use that money to pay off the credit cards, pay off the mortgage, pay off the lenders, whatever it might be. Or maybe you can take that money that you had there wasted away on these useless things that were just collecting dust in an attic or a storage closet or whatever. Mm-hmm. In fact, in a few weeks Ryan, we're going to do a whole episode about storage. Uh, we're calling it clutter coffins <laughs> and the whole obsession <laughs> that we have. Here's a preview with you, for you Ryan. Okay. Did you know that America has 90% of the storage facilities in the world? What?
1: 90%? Did you know that there are over 52,000 storage facilities across the United States? So oh. that's 90% of them right there, 52,000. Yeah. It's more than six times the number of Starbucks. <laughs> Just math off the top of my head.
2: Did you know that <laughs> all Americans, if they stood under the roof of a storage, of the storage facilities, mm-hmm. they would all fit in the storage facilities in America? All what? Americans could fit into the storage facilities. That's how many we have. And wow. that's an indicator of how much stuff we have. Mm. So, Monique, if you have a lot of stuff and you're burdened by it and you want to sell it, you need to de- develop a threshold. If you're in debt, it's probably somewhere around 20 bucks. Mm. Sell it in seven days. If it doesn't sell, lower the price. If it goes below 20 bucks, donate it. Okay. If you can't donate it, you can recycle it. If you can't recycle it, eventually the last resort, absolute last resort, we can trash it. Mm. It's already trash anyway. It's just, is the trash heap in your home or is the trash heap... Well, is it in a landfill? In fact, next week, Ryan, we're talking with Claire Potter about environmentalism and sustainable living. Mm. And so we'll have a deeper conversation about recycling and other things like that. Monique, I'd love to give you a copy of our book, Essential. There's 12 areas of intentional living, and one of those areas has to do with our priorities. And so unfortunately, we prioritize our stuff in our lives much more than the things that are truly important to us. Mm -hmm. In fact, we've prioritized a lot of things. If you have two dozen priorities, it's literally nonsensical. Mm -hmm. The word priority did not have a plural until the 20th century. Mm. And so if you say I have 20 priorities, priority simply means the first thing. You can't have 20 the first things. You can have a first thing, and right now your priority is getting rid of the excess in your home. And if you follow that simple recipe and then adjust the dollar amounts accordingly, in Alabama, if you do that here with the microphones we're selling or the extra lights or any other, that we had a few bistro tables that we were using for a while, some old stools. If we follow that, then within 30 days, we'll have all of that out of our lives. And it's not that we're against having things or having even a storage facility with some things, sure. right? Yeah. The storage isn't the problem. It's our clinging to all that stuff. We have too much stuff because we have a desire for too much. We have a desire for more, thinking that, well, Ryan mentioned consumerism being the problem earlier. What is consumerism? Buying something is going to make me more complete or more happy. Mm. But we know the opposite is true. Often the objects of our desire become the objects of our discontent. Yeah. And so if you want to let
1: go of the discontent, it has much more to do with letting go of the excess stuff. Yeah. You said that uh, this is a very simple recipe we have presented to uh, Monique here, and it is. But simple is not easy. Simple takes a lot of work. And I can hear it in Monique's voice in her voicemail. She's a little overwhelmed. Yes. That's okay. Use that as leverage to uh, get at this thing. But but yeah, I think unfortunately, we too often confuse simple with easy. And mm-hmm. that is that is not the case. Yeah. Shout out to our Patreon
2: supporters. If you want to join us during the live streams, we do a live stream most weeks over at patreon.com slash The Minimalist. We live stream this version of the podcast as well as the maximal version of the podcast. We also answer some questions that don't make it on to the podcast. Ryan, what time is it? You know
1: what time it is, Josh. It's time for the lightning round where we answer your text messages. You can text your questions, your comments, your smart remarks, your emojis to 937-202-4654. Oh, by the way,
2: Ryan, uh, Monique, we're giving her a copy of our book, Essential, uh, the 12 different areas of intentional living. One of those priorities, we also have a chapter about stuff in there, a chapter about technology, and there there are like 12 different areas of intentional living. It's an essay collection with 150 different essays if you like our podcast we think you'll enjoy the audiobook version of that now during the lightning round ryan this is where we do our best to answer questions with a short shareable less than 140 character response we put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you like and now you can find all of our minimal maxims in one place minimalmaxims.com Big thanks to our good friend Jessica Lynn Williams over there for um, for helping out with that social. Jess, Allison has a question for us. How do we accept household family members who consume so much stuff it makes us uncomfortable? Mm. So to accept someone, maybe another word here is I'm having trouble liking them. Yeah, right. And so because accepting them or loving them mm-hmm. doesn't require the that we are on the same page with them, that we have the same beliefs, that we have the same stuff or the same needs or the same desires. You can love someone and be in a completely different space than them. Yeah. But maybe the question here for Allison is, how do do I like them? How do I tolerate or appreciate them Mm. in a way? Here's my pithy answer for you. Maybe we can unpack this, Ryan. The stuff doesn't make us miserable clinging to stuff does I'm a minimalist but I can go to a we actually have a picture of me and you Ryan we were with Jordan No More and podcast Sean we were over in Playa Vista and there was this horde of stuff we took a picture in front of it they used it on Netflix for our last documentary Mm -hmm. uh, less is now and there's a picture of me and you in front of all of this stuff (laughs) just heaps and heaps of useless things useless to us Mm -hmm. useful to someone else yeah and in that picture, you and I are smiling. Well, why is that? Because we're not clinging to any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. We, that stuff can't make me miserable unless I allow it to make me miserable. Mm. Now, that's not to say that if you are living with someone who is a hoarder, that they can inflict their preferences on you and create a space that is a little more chaotic than your preference Mm. but right now what you're talking about is accepting them wherever they are in life because maybe it took you a while to become a minimalist maybe it took me and ryan 30 years to become minimalists and so when we started letting go it wasn't just about letting go of the stuff it was about not clinging to it anymore realizing that oh i am complete right here right now anyone else's stuff it's not really my concern. It's not my problem.
1: Mm. Man, my pithy answer is this. Judgment is but a mirror reflecting the insecurities of the person who's doing the judging. Mm. So right here, Allison is projecting a little judgment that she's feeling. And that's okay. I do the same exact thing. I will look at someone... I. I got a couple examples in my head, but I don't think I want to talk public about them. Maybe I'll bring them up in the Maximal uh, maximal podcast, but I can think of a specific time. Recently, I was judging this person for a certain thing and I caught it. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, why am I feeling this, this judgment? And especially like, why am I projecting this judgment? Mm-hmm. And what I was able to do is I was able to actually hold a mirror up to myself and say, what does this judgment actually have to say about me as a person? Yeah. And I was able to get a little bit deeper And, uh, instead of, you know, judging, I actually, um, was able to, I don't know, like root for that person. I was able to like find compassion. That's what it is. I was able to find compassion towards that person. Yes. So really, Alison, the question is, is how can you find compassion towards, uh, your friends, family, whoever it is that is consuming too much. And she does say consuming too much. So I don't know exactly what they're consuming. Maybe they're eating too many hot dogs. I don't know, man. (laughs) Maybe they're like, I can't believe they're eating that many hot dogs, whatever it is. It's a judgment. That really is saying something about you as a person, Allison. And if you can get to the deeper cause of why you're feeling this judgment, then you might be able to find some compassion. And compassion leads to love. Well,
2: it's a really great point, Ryan, because when you say they're consuming too much, what you're really saying because of that mirror, they're consuming too much for you. If I were Mm -hmm. in his or her shoes, that would be too much for me, yeah. Now, granted, you're in a shared living space, and there may come a time in that shared living space where you have to have an exit plan, where it doesn't make sense. If right. their things or their activities, their behaviors are getting in the way of you living a meaningful life or even a peaceful life mm-hmm. consistently— I mean, that's the nature of relationships. Any relationship is going to cause some bit of chaos in your Mm, life, even the most peaceful. If you're a monk at a monastery, another monk is going to do something that's going to drive you crazy at some point. So that's not what we're talking about. But if someone is constantly encroaching on your boundaries, you've created your own space. Maybe it's your own room. You have your own sort of sanctuary. And then wherever you go, you can still be a minimalist, even amid the chaos. You can be calm in the middle of Times Square, and you can be a middle, minimalist in the middle of a horde. Mm. Ryan, we got a bunch more to talk about, but first, real quick, for right here, right now, here is one thing, or four things, going on in the life of the minimalists. Unfortunately, we had to reschedule a few of our tour stops. The Love People, Use Things tour is supposed to be over right now, mm. but we had to move. Well, we had a bunch of weather in Ohio, ice storm. Oh my goodness. We got we were trapped.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I got sick. Yes. Oh my goodness, Mariah got sick. It was funny. There was like this two week period. Um, like it started with our flight getting delayed, mm-hmm. and we're like, okay, no worries. And then it got canceled. We're like, okay, maybe we could still somehow finagle it and still make it to Chicago. And then basically, flights got canceled for two days. Mariah comes down uh, with COVID. I came down with it um we were trapped in ohio for like a week it was just funny because like just one thing after the other yeah. and instead of i don't know instead of it like keeping me down or like making me think like whoa is me i was just kind of like you know what like this is what life does sometimes it just like it just starts swinging at you and you got to roll with the punches man yeah so uh this is rolling with the punches we're rescheduling we're gonna have some awesome events uh in these four cities looking forward to it have we decided to add anything to canada we're
2: we're trying to. So we have four cities right now. We have four more tour stops, and a lot of people use things tour. It's Chicago, it's Minneapolis, and that's the that's it for the United States. Mm-hmm. And then we have Toronto and Vancouver. Mm -hmm. There's a small chance we'll add Montreal and Calgary. Stay tuned for that. Theminimalists.com slash tour for all of those dates. I will, will tell you this because we had to move everyone's tickets transferred over. So some of those are really close to selling out. So get your tickets now while you can if you want to attend one of those events. We're not adding additional events in any of those cities. So whatever is left is what is left at this point. If we do add Montreal and Calgary, maybe, mm-hmm. in the future, then stay tuned. You can also put your email address on our website if you want to be notified of any future tour stops. Of course, we won't send you spam or advertisements or junk, but <laughs> you already know that. Alabama, you got anything else for us right now? Here are some voicemail comments and insights from our listeners.
0: G'day, guys. This is Tristan from Erlangen, in Germany. I wanted to share an efficient way to follow the news without having to compulsively check all the time or relying on some social media algorithm. So what I do is I use RSS feeds for all the content I'm interested in. Most websites that have some sort of news feed allow you to copy an RSS link into an RSS reader app. When you subscribe to an RSS feed, all new articles from the website will show up in your RSS reader. When you open an article in the reader, it gets marked as read. You can filter out read articles, so once you've read something, it will no longer take up any space. Some websites have a dedicated button from which you can copy the RSS link into a reader. However, with a lot of websites that don't explicitly advertise their RSS feed, you can just copy the URL from your address bar. This way you can, for example, subscribe to YouTube channels without even having a Google account. It also works with podcasts, as podcast links typically rely on the RSS standard. So you can really have all your content in one place. The reader that I use is called Feedbin. It's an online reader which syncs to all my devices. The cool thing about Feedbin is you can filter incoming articles by keywords and automatically perform actions on them. For example, I've subscribed to The Economist's Asia feed, but I'm really just interested in news concerning Australia, not so much the rest of the region. So I have Feedbin marked any articles in the Asia feed as read, that don't contain the word Australia. These automations can actually be much more complex, allowing you to save a heap of time. Feedbin is five US dollars a month or 50 US dollars a year. There is a similar alternative called InnoReader, which also has a free version. If you're new to the whole thing, I would recommend you try out the free version or one of many other free readers and see whether you actually need any automation tools or other extra features. You can then still switch as it's very easy to export all your feeds in a single file and import them to another reader, much like transferring bookmarks when switching browsers.
3: Hi, my name's Karen. I'm calling from Hertfordshire in the UK. I'm calling with some tips today for anyone who's been through bereavement recently. It's a tough thing to go through and you sort of still have to deal with all the objects that are left behind and that's been quite a difficult process for me. Number one tip is remembering that the love is not in the objects. The love you have for that person is not in the object. And That's a, a thing that I've heard before on the podcast, but it's been my little motto for dealing with this. My, my father passed away in January, and I've had a lot of objects and things to go through of his. So I've just been saying that over and over to myself, and it's been very, very helpful. My love for him is in the things I did for him when he was alive, the times I told him I loved him, and in my memories that I carry with me for the rest of my life. Number two, and this wouldn't be for everyone, is that I've chosen to make a memory bear out of some of his old clothing. You can just find online, if you Google memory bear, there's lots of different companies. I've gone with one in the UK called Lily's Love that I found on Facebook. But not just for bereaved people's clothing, also they can make wedding dresses, bears out of wedding dresses, bears out of old babies' clothing. So if your children have grown up, it's another good thing that you could think about doing with the clothes. The third thing is just remembering that the greatest object my parents could bequeath me is me. My flesh, my blood, they chose to raise me. And that's an amazing gift, the gift of life. And it's really important that I hang on to that. I was a surprise baby, so they didn't have to have me, but they carried on. And I know parents aren't always brilliant. They don't always make the best choices, but they chose to try. They chose to try and raise me well. And I know that I only honor that gift if I spend the time now looking after myself as I live my life rather than fretting over some old crockery or CDs. So I hope those pets help someone. I'm sending out my love to anyone who's going through the same experience at the moment.
2: All right, y'all, before we get to our added value segment this week, let's read a quick testimonial from one of our lovely Patreon supporters. Mm. This one is from Emil E and he or she says, whoa, this private podcast episode, the signifiers of suffering might be the most important thing I've ever listened to. I'm supposed to go to therapy today, and I don't even know if I need it now. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. We're not telling you to skip your therapy, but hey, maybe if you just if you're <laughs> one of our Patreon supporters, you'll save money on therapy. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's definitely cheaper than therapy. <laughs> you know
2: what, Ryan? Uh, for our added value this week, we were listening to this while we were out on tour, and I remember I turned it on. It's this band called Yard Act, and the album is called The Overlord, and the song is called Rich, and we were playing it and you looked, you stopped me in the car and you're like, when did you start listening to good music? <laughs> because it seemed a little bit outside of the norm of what I might listen to. Yeah. It's like alternative, mm. sort of post punk, I guess. Yeah. I don't know what you would label it. But what really stood out to me in this song in particular are the opening lyrics. So here are the o- opening lyrics Almost by accident, I have become rich. Through continued reward for skilled labor in the private sector and a genuine lack of interest in expensive things, it appears I have become rich. And since I have become rich, I've been constantly living in fear of losing everything. Mm. That's the thing about our things. We get the thing. It doesn't make us happy, but now we're terrified to let it go yeah and so enjoy this the song it's called rich by yard act by the way ryan we have a bunch more surprise questions this week like how do you determine what routine appointments like medical checkups and car tune-ups are most important and which ones can wait how do you make time in your calendar for spontaneity Do you have any tips and tricks for laying out your schedule and calendar to optimize your life? Plus a million more questions about calendar clutter for me and for ryan and if you want to hear all that check out the minimalist private podcast this week visit patreon.com slash the minimalists to subscribe and get your personal link so that our weekly private podcast plays in your favorite podcast app you'll also gain immediate access to hundreds of hours of private archives recordings of live events exclusive home tours and our private community of thousands of open-minded minimizers like you You can follow The Minimalist on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Minimalist. If you want our podcast show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list over at theminimalists.com. On behalf of Ryan Nicodemus, Podcast Sean, Malabama, Jordan No More, Social Jess, Danny Unknown, Emma the Immigrant, and the rest of our team, I'm Joshua Fields Milburn reminding you to love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time.
1: Almost by accident, I have become rich. Through continued reward for skilled labour in the private sector, and a genuine lack of interest in expensive things, it appears I have become rich. And since I have become rich, I've been constantly living in fear of losing everything. The bubble will burst, and falling from my perch, I will return once again to the life that I used to live with the things
0: that I didn't have before I had become rich.